Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And now, ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas, by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Fistful Catch Podcast. I have got the man of the hour in the house, literally, not figuratively anymore, but literally, he's in the house. We celebrated 4th of July last night. We uh, shot off all of our whistling bungholes, our spleen splitters, our whisker biscuits, our honky lighters, our husker do's, husker don'ts, cherry bombs, nipsy dazers, with and without scooter sticks, and we let off one single whistling kitty. Soup, what's up, man? Nothing. Uh, you did forget to mention that we did light off the good stuff. A few snakes, a couple sparklers. Oh, but, also um, true. And Kid Rock showed up. He did. He did. So. he did. We left a pack of Budweiser out overnight and an American flag and a little Lee Greenwood on repeat, and Kid Rock showed up. It was nice. Very, very nice. But we got a huge card, UFC 239. You guys have been waiting patiently all week for this card. Want to go ahead and dive right into this, get the information so you guys can get to the book. We can make some money this weekend and get out. I know we're putting it out late Friday night, but that's because we wanted to see weigh-ins today. We wanted all the prop bets to come out. We wanted to see absolutely everything, so we had all information possible in order to make this work. And in doing so, I think that we have got the card of cards here. I feel confident in all of our plays, and I'm really excited to get into these. We're not going to do much big, in-depth, theoretical breakdown on these things. We have some points that we want to get to. We're going to get to those and then we're going to get you the picks so you guys can get out of here. So let's get things started. On the main card, we're going to do main card only. Prelims will be available on Instagram, as they always are. But starting off the main card, Gilbert Melendez is coming back, finally. Taking on a tough, tough comeback fight in the young upstart, Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen sitting at a minus 330 to Gilbert Melendez. Plus 270, over-unders coming in at two and a half rounds. And I like Allen in this fight just based off the inactivity of Gilbert, Gilbert Melendez. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm with you on this. Um, it's actually, I think this is the main fight of the prelim. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the featured prelim. Do you want to give this? Yeah, let's do it anyway. Okay. Do so, it anyway. Yeah, no. Bonus. Arnold Allen is coming in at a minus 350. Um, but like you said, there's a reason for that. It's because Gilbert Melendez's inactivity. I don't really see much value at all in this fight because I don't like picking Gilbert Melendez at a plus 250. I think that's probably just throwing money away. So just making a pick on the fight itself based off the odds, I still would have to go with Arnold Allen at minus 350. Yeah, Gilbert Melendez hasn't fought since September of 2017. That's just too infrequent. 
to get fired up about it. And he's also lost four in a row with his last win coming in 2013 against Diego Sanchez, who I now realize uh, is that first fight that's kicking off the main card. So let's jump right to that. And we've got Gil, or I'm sorry, we've got <laughs> Diego Sanchez taking on Michael Chiesa. Chiesa, a huge favorite at minus 360. Diego Sanchez, I'm seeing him at plus 300 over under on rounds at two and a half. And Diego Sanchez, keep in mind, just left Jackson Wink and has one corner man for the fight. One. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys got to see Diego and Aero Hawani's uh, interview. The, he is not mentally stable by any means. He talks like he's drunk. 24 hours out of the day. Um, I don't know if that's punch drunk or drunk on Tito's vodka. I'm not sure. But I like Chiesa in this fight. I know that Diego just absolutely mauled a similar version of Chiesa and Mickey Gall. Um, but I, it's tough to take Chiesa at the minus 400, so I think we should present a parlay with Chiesa. Yeah, I think that's gonna. I think I think a parlay with Kies is gonna be the, the be the key to making money off of him in this fight. I do want to say something though, because prior to Diego leaving Jackson Wink, I was high on Diego in this fight for the exact reason that you mentioned, and that is because of the the strong wrestling pedigree that Diego Sanchez has, and that and and like you said. Michael Chiesa is like an elevated version of Mickey Gall. He's not really going to beat... I don't think he's going to beat Diego standing up. I don't necessarily know that he has the jiu-jitsu to like really impose himself on Diego. However, you know, leaving the camp that he came out of, especially uh, leaving Jackson Wink and coming in with one corner man, that screams a fighter that's avoidable. And the other thing, too, about this that, that gives me pause in going towards Diego is that the last person that really had a good look at Kiesa was the camp at Jackson Wink because Kiesa's last win, as you know, was over Carlos Condit, who is a Jackson Wink fighter. So had Diego stayed there, he would have been able to get maybe some, you know, uh, sort of that advised or revised game plan, you know, where the, the Jackson Wink team sort of clears the air and, and, and hits reset and comes at this guy with a fresh approach. It's not very often that the same camp gets back-to-back -back cracks at a guy, but Diego left. Diego's doing his own thing. He's running wind sprints in the mountains and you know chewing on peyote like it's gummy snacks. I'm staying away from Diego. I think the Kiesa uh, parlay is the is the way to go. Who do you want to parlay Kiesa with uh, in order to make some money off this? In order to get decent odds here, uh, we don't want to go John Jones because that only gives you like half a unit on a one unit parlay return. Um, I think your best bet as far, I don't want to say a lock, but as far as somebody who gives you decent odds in a parlay but still should win their fight, I think Song Yadong is the right play here. So uh, Michael Chiesa, Song Yadong parlay. All right. I can get on board with that. Moving on, we got the next fight, uh, and it is the light heavyweight debut of Luke Rockhold, and he's taking on Jan Blahowitz. And Luke Rockhold is sitting at a minus 235. Jan's coming in at a plus 195. And I got to tell you, I've said it all week. I continue to say it. I think that's an inflated number on Luke Rockhold based upon middleweight accomplishments. I'm not sold on Luke Rockhold 
at 205. I think he has to be, I think it's a show and prove kind of thing. I think that looking at this from the logic of is Blahovitz two times less likely to win this fight? I like him at plus one, 195. He's a big boy. He's going to walk around bigger than Rockhold does. He's been fighting at 205 for a long time. He's used to the speed. He's used to the size. He's used to the power. And Rockhold had a suspect chin at middleweight. Lord help him when these light heavyweights get hands on him. I think him being Rockhold and Weidman are in for a rude awakening at 205. And I think Blahovitz is going to be the uh, the one that spoils the, the coming out party for Rockhold here at plus 195. What do you think? No, I'm with you. Um, as far Rockhold has expressed serious confidence in his ground game. But I think Blahovitz can match his ground game. And then it leads to the stand-up, which two years ago I would have taken Luke Rockhold in this fight because of his speed. But taking a year off, having trouble with his knee, I would—I mean, a logical person would assume that he's going to lose a little bit of speed. Plus, he's putting on weight. Yeah. You can't keep your speed when you put on weight. He's got a bum – I don't want to say a bum knee as of now, but he's had trouble with his knees. He hasn't been in the octagon in over a year. I think the plus 190 on Blahovitz is a good is a good play here. One more thing to add on that too is that Luke Rockhold's splitting time between Henry Hooft in Florida and AKA as opposed to being 100% dedicated to AKA now, which I believe is a mistake because while Henry Hooft had his moment in the sun with guys like Overeem and Rumble and uh, Michael Johnson, Abel Trujillo, all those guys, you know, are any of those guys championship caliber or have any of those guys won a championship in the UFC and the answer is no no exactly so I don't believe that Rockhold is surrounding himself with the right people in that regard because if you go over to AKA you've got Cain Velasquez you've got Daniel Cormier you've got uh Khabib I mean you're going to go from a camp where it's nothing but champs to a, a camp where there are no champs that just sounds like you want somebody to drink your Kool-Aid. I'm not buying into it. I think Rockhold's overpriced, minus 235. I'd take Blahovitz here. Uh, but let's move on to the fight that everybody's talking about, even though it's not the main event. Jorge Masvidal taking it on funky Ben Askren. Ben Askren sitting at minus 210. Masvidal plus 170 over under at two and a half rounds. And I know you and I have a little bit of a split uh, in our decision on this fight, but I will go ahead and let you state your case. I will state my case, and we will land somewhere in between. I'm going to ask you this. So your argument for DC as far as the greatest light heavyweight of all time. No, no, no. Oh, no. DC is the greatest fighter of okay, all time. Okay, DC, greatest fighter of all time. Why is this? Because he's won at every single level of competition he's fought at, correct? Correct. What's Ben Askren done? He's a winner. He won. He was a champ in Bellator. He sure. was the champ in 1FC. Sure. And he's on his way to a title shot in the UFC. Okay. And I think that I think him climbing the ladder continues tomorrow night. Um, I re, you know I, we talked about this earlier. I go back to when Damian Maya fought Masvidal, and he was on him like glue. And I fully expect Ben Askren to take the exact same approach. Um, you can we can make fun of his dad bod all we want. But there's no argument that the guy is one of the strongest wrestlers in MMA. And I, as long as he can avoid the big shot when shooting for his takedowns, he's going to get Masvidal down to the ground. And I think he's going to, I don't want to say lay and pray, but he's 
I mean, he's going to manhandle him on the ground for probably three straight rounds. Yeah. Listen, I'm not saying that's not a compelling argument. If you look at the guys that he's lost to uh, that have a similar game plan or executed a similar game plan, you're looking at Damian Maya, you're looking at Benson Henderson, you're looking at Al Iaquinta, um, you know, Rustam Kabilov. Uh, he suffers against wrestlers. It would be, it'd be ill-informed to say that he doesn't suffer against wrestlers. My thing is looking at it, yes, 1FC is getting better as far as level of competition. Bellator has really come into its own as far as level of competition as of late because we have not seen the crossover success that most people anticipated whenever a guy leaves the UFC to go uh, to Bellator. That's not something that normally happens. Uh, it's usually, it has in often cases ended disastrously. There is no real carryover. But in this instance, uh, I think Jorge Masvidal has been fighting the best in the sport for several years now. I don't necessarily think that Ben Askren is going to bring anything to the table that Masvidal has not seen before. And as he continues to evolve as a fighter, my hope is in, in you know leaning his way in this fight is that this will be the showing of the requisite changes necessary in order to continue to show that he's in his prime. Will that happen? That remains to be seen. That's the biggest thing with Ben Askren is everything about him, every fight, every press conference, every time he, he even gets on Instagram, it's a big, you know, what's going to happen next? Is this going to be living up to the hype? And unfortunately, we didn't get to see a lot of that with the Robbie Lawler fight because of the controversial ending. But prior to that, it did not look good. He got picked up. He got dumped on his head. He was getting the shit kicked out of him. And then, you know, uh, he recovered because Herb Dean gave him plenty of time to recover. uh, There's been less gracious recovery times out of Herb lately. uh, And he was able to secure that bulldog choke. No problem with him actually getting the bulldog choke. You know, I just don't necessarily think Robbie was out. But that's my opinion. And that's why it's a controversy. I think Masvidal is going to make the changes. At least I'm hoping he makes the changes. But I can see why you go Ben Askren. I think that's a safe play as well here. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, I'm playing Masvidal, I'd say, hey, that's a good play. If somebody came up and said Askren, I'd say, hey, that's a smart play as well. I really don't have one lean one way or the other on this. But, you know, if people want to defer for your logic, which I which I co-sign on, I'm cool for that too. Um, but let's get into what we believe to be the biggest value of the night, Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. I think Holly Holmes winning this fight, man. I really think she is. Um, she's sitting at a plus three twenty. Amanda Nunes minus four hundred. Over under on rounds four and a half. Kind of iffy on that, but at home at a plus three twenty, that's like somebody handing you a lottery ticket with a seventy percent chance of winning. I, I love Holly Holm, and I love her in this fight. Yeah, I mean Holly Holm. If if. She- if she goes in and keeps her distance and moves around and makes Amanda Nunes chase her for five rounds, that is her method to victory in this fight. If she gets in close and tastes Amanda Nunes' hands, she's going to become hesitant and she's not going to be able to fight her fight. Holly Holm needs to be smart about this and literally fight this as if it were a kickboxing match. Correct. She needs to stay away from the whole MMA aspect here and use her, her kickboxing background to win this fight. She needs a point fighter for sure. Yeah. She needs to absolutely point her to death. She needs to wear her out. I'd love to see a bunch of standing sidekicks to Nunez's thighs, start slowing that movement down. My only thing with Holly Holm is that she's a head case. 
She has got to get confidence early in a fight or she will check out. She will become hesitant. She will faint and faint and faint and faint. And Amanda Nunes has been drinking her own Kool-Aid for a while now. She is feeling hyped up. But my concern with Amanda Nunes is the same thing we saw with Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz, is it's real hard to get out and do road work in the morning when you're sleeping on them silk sheets. And everybody's calling Amanda Nunes the, the goat. goat. She, they're saying she's the greatest female fighter of all time. She's walking around. She's happy. She's got her whole thing with Nina Ansaroff, and they're loving life and giggling and buying puppies and houses and all kinds of other stuff. Where's the hunger? Do you want to keep it? Is, are you aware that everybody's chasing after you? Because there's nothing more dangerous than a fighter that's been at the top and been kicked back down and now wants to come back up again. Holly Holmes got that dog in her when she wants it. Can Amanda Nunes rise to the occasion and you know shudder the last little bit of doubters? And if she wins this fight, I have no problem, even if she never wins another fight, calling her the greatest women's fighter of all time. She might already be it now. But I'm, my concern is is coming out of Jackson Wink, coming out of the point fighting style that Holly Holm has. She is a legend killer, and she has all the skills necessary to win this fight. And at plus 320, it seems too good to pass up. No, I'm with you. And also on the Amanda Nunes, I don't want to jump on the, the, uh, on the train yet. I don't want to take away from her knockout of Cyborg. But if she would have went out and dominated her for five straight rounds... It, that's a different type of win. It shows. It really shows a different skill set. It shows that you're better than that person. And this is my argument for early knockouts. I always revert back to this. In your opinion, who is a better mixed martial artist? And who would you pick in a fight? Probably nine times out of ten, Conor McGregor or or Jose Aldo. I'm taking Aldo. Exactly. And what do you knock him out in? Thirteen seconds. Thirteen seconds. Exactly. So I take not. I don't want to take anything away from. Amanda Nunes knocking out Cyborg, you know, the the unstoppable Cyborg. But it was so early, I I just wish I could have seen it go into the second, third, fourth round and really seen, you know, what kind of skill set Amanda Nunes would have brought to that fight. And Holly Holm's going to be, I think Holly Holm's that fighter that's going gonna, gonna to stretch this out. Because two people that want to stand and bang, regardless if it's a woman's fight, the over-unders are four and a half here and the over is favored. So they're, they're, they're predicting a decision here, and that has a lot to do with Holly Holm wanting to keep her distance and wanting to stretch this fight out. And Holly Holm's going to be in a lot better shape. I know she looked rough after her weight cut, but she's in to her cardio compared to Amanda Nunes. Is, it's not even a comparison. Yeah. So her, her uh, you know path to victory would be taking this into the fourth and then into the fifth round and winning this by decision, and I really think that's what's going to happen. Well, the other thing, I mean, this is, and this is just a little bit of my own uh, superstition when it comes to the fight game. You know, you have Nunez on an eight-fight winning streak. I hate long winning streaks when it comes uh, to fighters. It, you know, yeah, Tony Ferguson. Tony, Tony Ferguson. Listen, wait till Gaethje gets a hold. Anyway, um, you know, th- there's that. And then you also look at, you know, going back to what we were talking about, with, with the Holly Holm thing, yes, Amanda Nunes has won eight fights in a row. However, I'll just go ahead and let you know now, so that way we don't have to do the trivia game. Only two, uh, I'm sorry, three out of those eight fights weren't uh, first, second, or third round finishes. So, you know, the, she gets it done early. Yeah, so, it'll be interesting to see her right. in, you know, 
as they like to say, as soon as the fourth round starts, the championship rounds. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what she can do in the fourth and fifth round. Right. Not to mention her second fight against Shevchenko was a split decision win that really, I don't know if anybody actually lost that fight so much as it was somebody actually winning it. So we'll see what happens. But again, Holly Holm, I, I, I just, at 320, man, at plus 320, that's really tough, uh, you know, just to not go against. But let's get to the main event of the evening. John Bones Jones, Mr. Pico Graham himself taking on Tiago Santos. I think the key to this fight, man, uh, let me hold on, let me say the ad or the the odds real quick. San, or Santos at plus 450, John Jones minus 650. I'm in agreement with the with how non-competitive I think this fight should be. However, I'm going to say that the key to this fight is going to be kicks. It's going to be kicks oblique kicks oblique kicks if you're john jones body kicks and head kicks if you are tiago santos yes tiago santos has five wins by head kick Uh, it's the most in light heavyweight history you know of course john jones knows that however if you're looking at the skill set of guys that john jones has fought that's the one weapon that he's never really had to contend with because nobody he fought was willing to throw those. And I'm willing to bet that at least twice in this fight, we see some sort of head kick attempt from Tiago Santos. And John Jones's mentality when it comes to negating or rather disarming Santos is going to be to come out and jack his legs up as fast as he can. Uh, I'm going to take Jones inside the distance and... I think that the difference maker is going to be kicks. The, Not that you can bet on that, but I'm just saying while you're watching the fight, keep that in mind. The, the legs are going to be what gets this fight done for either winner. The more I think about this and the more you were thrown out, Tiago Santos' knockout ability. And we've talked about this multiple times. John Jones, yes, arrogant, yes, unbearable at times with his personality and compared to Anderson Silva. But the difference between the two of them is when John Jones steps inside the octagon, it is all business. There's no taunting. There's no, you know, overlooking somebody. And there's not a better tactician as far as following a game plan to the letter. I think that John Jones actually might take this fight down to the ground, which we talked about taking the under two and a half. That kind of scares me, actually. I almost like the over two and a half more. I do think John Jones wins this fight. Um, I could see a decision. I could see inside the distance. There's just no value in John Jones at a minus 630 unless you're throwing, throwing around ridiculous money. But at that point, it's a game of punch face. You're risking ridiculous money on Tiago Santos catching John Jones. Um the one play I don't like is a decision. I don't. I, th- I think with just the muscle-bound nature of Santos, the, the fact that he's had cardio issues for time and memoriam. I mean, he gassed out in a three-round fight against Kevin Holland. Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't see him going five rounds with John at, at all. I don't even think John could carry him five rounds if you look at it from like an Anthony Smith situation. I, I, I really don't think that Santos can get carried that long. Two and a half is iffy. I know before this even came out, you and I were going, oh, if it's two and a half, that's going to be like the one hard mm-hmm. play. 
Uh, and it is exactly that. It's at two and a half. I think you could do worse at either going over or under. But I would I would caution this. If you think that the ground game is going to be where it's at, I honestly think that speeds the fight up. Because if he takes Santos down to the ground, you put a turtle on its back, it, it has no more weapons. So if John takes him to the ground, yeah. Santos does nothing. TKO on the it's ground. It's going to be a TKO or it's going to be a submission on the ground. If you look at when John Jones fought Vitor, he did the same thing. Yeah. Now, Vitor almost took that arm. But as soon as he was done with that, he just put him back on the ground, and then what happened? It was done. It was over with. I mean, you know, if you have minimal weapons on the feet and then you go on the ground, you have less weapons. I don't think that stretches the fight out. The fight out, I actually think it increases the chances of speeding it up. So if you think the fight goes to the ground, I really love the under at two and a half because that's saying we've got till midway through the third round with John Jones taking this guy to the ground. Do you have odds on John Jones inside the distance? Yeah, hold on, give me one second. Da, 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 da. I got. Let's see. It's just so tough with it. Most fighters, you can pick out their strength right. and base a pick. With him, it, it's all about his opponent. It, the guy's unbelievable. But. Yeah. So Jones by TKO. KO or submission is a minus 250. That makes him a little bit more playable. Yeah, that's it. I'd I'd take that. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm not sold on the over two and a half, under two and a half, because it could easily be at the end of the third round. Right. He could easily just grind Santos out, him be gassed at the end of the third round, him take one of those nasty oblique kicks or an elbow and just be, you know, the, oh, I don't want to get hit anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, John Jones by... By uh, TKO, KO, or submission at a minus 250. All right. That's the play. All right, guys. Well, appreciate everybody's patience this week while we got everything together. Uh, You know, we really didn't lead into it to let everybody know that's what was going on, but everybody's been really steadfast on social media this week, hitting us up, wanting to know where the episode was at. So you'll have it in plenty of time to get your plays in. Short, sweet. We're under 25 minutes here, so that way you guys can get after it. And I hope everybody had a safe and happy 4th of July. Hope everybody's still got their fingers, their toes, the tips of your nose, all that kind of good stuff. I got nothing else, Soup, other than one small prelim play that I like a lot that I want to share just before we get off. And that is Brandon Marcos over Claudia Gadelia with Marcos at plus 190. Yeah. I like, I think Gadelia's trending down. Um, she's got better stand-up than Marcos, but Marcos is so wrestle-heavy, so unending in her her attacks and just ground and pound and lay and pray. She's like a female GSP with less creative striking. Is how, and I just, I like the gas tank. I like the wrestling ability. I think she just wears Claudia Gedalia down. I would, I like Marcos by decision or if Gedalia comes out and fights to the best of her ability, by split decision even. So I, I like Marcos plus 190. I think her and Blahovitz are great underdog value on this card. So wrap things up real quick. Random Marcos plus 190. Arnold Allen, Gilbert Melendez, we're avoiding that fight as far as odds go. There's not really a whole lot to play there unless we're rolling Arnold Allen in with, or no, I'm sorry, that Kies is the parlay. So we're, we're avoiding Arnold Allen, Gilbert Melendez. Kiesa Diego Sanchez, we're taking Kiesa and Song Yadong in a parlay. We're going to take Blahovitz at plus 195. Uh, ben Askren, if you dare, 
Holly Holm at plus 320, and then John Jones by KO, TKO, or submission at minus 250. Yeah, and we'll throw, when we throw these up on Instagram, guys, we'll throw the units on the Instagram page just to make it clear because that, that minus 250 play, you can't lay a unit on it, ex, you know, expecting whatever point for, point four back. Um, so we'll, we'll throw up units. Um, as normal, the money bags next to the play symbolize the units. And uh, enjoy yourselves tomorrow night. Enjoy this card, but don't. Don't tie, uh, don't tie one on too fast because Sunday morning, 11 a.m., we have the Women's World Cup Final. USA versus the Netherlands. USA coming in at a minus 255 to win in regulation. I fully expect that to happen, but as far as odds go, I like the over 2.5 because the Netherlands is a very high-powered offense. Um I, the USA could win this 2-1, 3-1, I just I like the over 2.5. I don't think it's going to be a 2-0 game. I do expect the Netherlands to score a goal. The U.S. has looked a little vulnerable on the defensive end in their last two matches with England and with Spain, letting in a garbage goal against Spain. Um, so, yeah, the over 2.5. And, and then actually tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., if you listen to this on Friday evening, which is tonight, or tomorrow early, um, England versus Sweden. England at a minus 130 to beat Sweden. I really like that. They've got to be salty after the penalty kick against the United States getting saved. England is a very tough squad. Lucy Bronze is one of the best players in the world. I think England definitely gets third place and wins that in regulation. So England at a minus 130, and then the over 2.5 in the USA-Netherlands at uh, minus 120. I like that a lot. Um, but, yeah. Back-to-back World Cup champs, USA, of course. We're going to make a ton of money this weekend, guys. Play all the plays we're talking about. We're going to play them. We hope you play them. Uh, It's been too often the last couple weeks where guys have hit us up after the fact saying, man, I should have listened to you on this, should have listened to you on that. Uh, Absolutely play what we're we're suggesting you should play. And like uh, Soup said, be on the lookout for the unit suggestions on Instagram this weekend. All right, guys, that's it. That's all I got. And I will talk to you all on social media between now and fight night. Take care. As always, guys, clear eyes, full fist, can't lose. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 